There he is. How's it going, Matey? Hey, brother. How are you? It's actually quite good. It looks like we're talking to each other this time. <laughs> On a slight angle. <coughs> Excuse me. How is are that, you? Is, is that uh, a, the Rona? No, that's a uh, little bit of leftover uh, steak and egg yolks. <coughs> okay. Okay. No worries. How are you? Oh, uh, good. High CPU usage is affecting meeting quality. Okay, well, I mean, turn down your ticker, man. You gotta stop watching that chart. Yeah, no. I did a, I, it's, I did a tweet today about um, um, it's all my sort of interest in anime, anime TV series. That's uh, all the streams of anime that I watch, but um. <laughs> I am a geek at the end of the day, so all this sort of stuff I'm into. But um, no, I did a tweet today about Google Trends and showing that it's still there's not even a blip. It's it, there's not much motion on uh, on searches for Bitcoin, and that got it gets it gets a lot of retweets. But then I do this long form article about how too big to fail with BTC ties, and it is. It, it struggles to get people like, want, people want the pump juice baby they want the pump juice yeah yeah it's, it's just the shorter just, the better the shorter the better how are things going with you good man pretty good you know all things considered i'm still stuck in canazuela as it's becoming known as but uh and trying to why canazuela well i mean just the you know, like everywhere, the governments are increasingly in control of every facet of, of your life, uh, uh, taking control of the economy and, you know, destroying the currency and all that kind of stuff. So uh, heading towards well, the inevitable socialism that uh, befalls everyone who does the same, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, um, I, was, I was trying to brush up on my... Plato's Republic, basically, uh -huh. and uh, Plato sort of predicted there were five five regimes that society through, and it starts with aristocracy, and then timocracy, which is basically ruled by land barons, and then it goes on to oligarchy, democracy, and then tyranny, and then it cycles around again, mm. and. Um, some will argue, but but it's interesting. Some will argue that um, we are seeing the transition, or we've many places have gone from democracy into tyranny. Um, but Plato would argue that um, the best of these five was aristocracy, where you're ruled by a philosopher king who is very wise, like the wisdom of Solomon, um, and you have responsible citizens who. Um, so the philosopher king will have a philosophically balanced and meritocratic um, um, constitution that they they follow religiously and um, well not religiously but philosophically and then they're kept in check by the citizens themselves because they're educated and they and they take citizen responsibility to make sure that the philosopher king keeps in line with the um, with the uh, constitution. I was just thinking about it that. If you consider Bitcoin as this sort of AI, then the, then the consensus rules are a constitution that's incredibly meritocratic and philosophically based. 
And then we have this philosophy in the community of don't trust verify. So the Bitcoin community has are, are responsible citizens who make sure that they keep the, and the node operators make sure that they keep the philosopher king of Bitcoin in line. Mm-hmm. So he's ideal, but the problem is it normally, um, it normally deteriorates into democracy and then on to, and then on to the lower levels and so on and so forth, because people are, are live a finite lives and they can't be, and their children don't tend to be necessarily as philosophically aligned as this sort of Solomon-like ruler, so it deteriorates. But um, I was just thinking about maybe we're going to go full circle back to aristocracy, but the king, I, I for one, um, welcome our new Bitcoin robot overlord sort of thing. We'll be, we'll be ruled by this sort of um, decentralized consciousness, which is the Bitcoin network. Its rules are very transparent and clear, very meritocratic, and we, we can have confidence that it can't change its rules because everybody will be educated to constantly not try to verify it and make sure it, even if for um, minutes it goes, it doesn't follow its rules, it can be, it can be kicked off the, off the throne. So anyway. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, 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 do think, <clears throat> I do think we will outsource a lot of authority the authority that we need to whatever extent we need it to cooperate and to organize to bitcoin like that will be where we place authority rather than in the hands of any one or group of of people and so you know i think it's i think something entirely unique will emerge you know i'm sure you've heard of this the fourth turning the book and and brandon quittam wrote an article recently about uh you know the cycles of of generations and how they impact governance and society and war and peace and prosperity and all that stuff. And, you know, basically he said that these cycles repeat, but, and Bitcoin, that what he was going to, the premise of the piece was going to be that Bitcoin disrupts this and it would be fundamentally different from then on. He ended up saying that's not the case, although it'll probably take on a different maybe character, but we'll still get this kind of repetitive cycle of time where, you know, that old thing, weak men's, Create, weak men create bad times, bad times, strong men, strong men, good times, good times, weak men. That will always mm. be, you know, what, what we're the cycle that we're subject to. And I, you know, who knows, but I, I do strongly feel that our, our system of organization and governance uh, is going to be dramatically different as a result of the parameters and the, the circumstances that Bitcoin allows for. So as you said, like whether we end up delegating our kind of authority, our constitution to that thing, so that it's not in the hands of any one person, but it's a firm set of authoritative rules that govern all of everyone's interaction. Constitution. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a constitution with inbuilt authority, right? Like the American constitution is a phenomenal document, but it has no authority on its own. It only has authority insofar as people with power decide to adhere to it, decide to adhere to it. People with power can decide not to adhere to it. And if they have enough power, they don't have to, and nothing holds them to it. But with Bitcoin, it's a constitution that you don't get to engage in it unless you adhere to the authority of its rule set. And so, you know, I think that's an extremely unique circumstance. And I think it's interesting because people, it's, it's the person or the, 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 the thing in power is a computer program and computer programs have always um, you know, fascinated me. That's why I studied computer science because computers are capable of these incredibly powerful things, but they're also slaves to the program. So they can perform 
millions of calculations per second, but they must perform as calculations and they, they have no ability to do anything other than follow, um, follow that constitution. So you have that scenario where you can set up a set of rules and have an incredibly powerful um, person in power to, to execute those rules, but be confident that they, they have no choice but to follow those rules. Um, what was missing is also you need the decentralized judge uh, um, and and sort of watchmen, and we have that with node operators and and Look users the themselves. Yeah. There, there's a there's a sort of bring it closer because obviously we're talking over potentially millennia here. Um, we're thinking a lot about um, potential because I think you should always retest the idea potential failure scenarios for Bitcoin. And um, the only one that was um, mentioned in the Bitcoin white paper has, is still the only one that we, that is, that we know can actually cause it to fail, which is a 51% attack by, a, um, by some bad actor um, who, uh, or attacker who, separately or in combination is responsible for the majority of the network and as bitcoin grows in scale that that's the only people that can be are going to be state actors or central banks or or people who are whose business model is threatened by bitcoin's business model um, um, and bitcoin's value competition is potentially to become the new world reserve currency so you have to work out who are the organizations or, or actors who um, either have the world reserve currency or are pretenders to the throne of the world reserve currency. And for me, I think there's only three potentials for that at this point in time. I mean, I don't think Canizuela is going to have the world. I mean, it's a great, great country, but I doubt it's going to have the world reserve currency. It's not a shoe in for that. So it's either the US, who are the potential incumbent right now. The EU was, until last week, the largest trading block in the world. But now we've, you heard about um, RCEP, the uh, regional, I, I can't remember what the, what the acronym stands for, but um, various Asian countries have formed a trading block and they finally signed the agreement. Um, I think it was last week or early or on Monday of this week, but it makes it the world's largest trading block, um, which is really interesting because up until then it was, it was EU and so on. But you've got China, the European Union and US are, are the, the, best, the best bets for world reserve currency holders. And um, I have just been just reading stuff or stuff that makes me feel that they're, there's going to be another attempt to, to uh, potentially, um, I, well, I fear, I fear another attempt to potentially try to effectively um, do something to um, control, either uh, cancel or I think more likely co-opt Bitcoin. I think they're not gonna try to cancel it, but they, they may try to co-opt it. So you've seen the news stories about the Bitcoin miners who, um, the mining pool who's tried to start to use KYC on their users. Have you seen that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, then there's stories the about... I, I, the question is, I, I, I don't think these 
Um, there's also, um, I think, China uh, put out a public, um, a, they've put out a, uh, a proposal for A, making the, the Chinese um, digital, um, central bank digital currency a legal tender. And at the same time, they're proposing banning another ban by China, yet again, um, banning the creation of, um, banning the creation of um, digital currencies by individuals. In, the, in Europe and the EU, um, they have a few months ago released their proposal for um, MICA, M-I-C-A, Markets in Crypto Assets. And then US as the head of, of um, FATF, Financial Task Force, uh, I've been pushing the travel rule. And all, all three of these seem like mechanisms to try and potentially control or co-opt Bitcoin. And I, I just, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it and I come to the same conclusion that, that um, actually we're fine, but I just was really interested to see if you, if you are, have thought about those or you've looked at those or you just, doesn't matter, you don't think there's any threat vector for Bitcoin anymore and it doesn't need to be looked at. No, I've thought about them a, a, a bunch. I think, of course, there's going to be attempts to contain Bitcoin, right? That's what all these regulations are. Contain, track, control, all of this yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yes. And ultimately, the reason why maybe I don't give it too much mind beyond managing my own uh, you know, ways to circumvent that is I, I, it's, it's like a, a ship with a bunch of holes in it, right? Like you can keep plugging up the holes, but you know, th if those holes keep opening up, the water is going to seep into it. You know, it's like, it's like trying to hold water in your hand or some leaky vessel. Like you can stop the flow. You can slow down the slow. You can, you can compartmentalize some of the, you know, the drips and the, the, the you know, the bodies of water and stuff. But I just think eventually it will come through. I just don't think it can be contained. So our job as advocates of this system are to see that as much in advance as we can. And one, you know, take our own necessary precautions, whatever they may be, to avoid being kind of caught in those snares of containment or to avoid being too uh, egregiously harmed by those efforts to contain. And two, um, I think advocate so that this, the more distributed Bitcoin is, the more, the less likely than really oppressive methods of containment are going to be effective. Because if, you know, if it's just a ragtag bunch of, you know, amorphous anonymous people on the internet, sure, you know, like world governments everywhere can just say, do whatever they want. But if it's ingrained in the existing financial system, if the top people in top industries all over the world are invested in this and they're getting their clients invested in this and, you know, if policymakers themselves are invested in this and they hold it and they see the value, then it becomes a lot less political, a lot less political will to, you know, take any measures that are too oppressive. Now, I still think when push comes to shove, they'll try. So there probably will be, you know, a battle, whether it happens in the public sphere, whether it happens between Bitcoiners, their Bitcoin and the, the people that seek to contain or control those Bitcoin or track them. Uh, so like, you know, it's, I don't think it's smooth sailing from here, but I just don't think at this point it can be contained. And I think the truth of what it represents and what it is, is too compelling for, you know, smart people all over the world to ultimately ignore in the face of what is 
you know, I think quite, quite clearly the unwinding of the existing economic and monetary uh, and financial paradigm in which they're all operating, you know, so their environment is forcing them to say, what else is available? Because this, this, this tornado or this destruction is, is going to come knocking at my door at some point you happen upon Bitcoin and, you know, when the price is pumping like it is now, it brings everyone's attention to it, even if you're not thinking about like it as a life raft for the current monetary system. But you think about it because, oh, everyone's greedy. Everyone wants to, to have more money. And then that gives you your first little taste, your first little exposure, and you start realizing what it represents. And then you start thinking, oh, this is, this is way more. And then that's when you start talking about it with people. Yeah, and that's yeah. when you start putting more of your assets in it. That's when you start using it to try to protect yourself, to save yourself, to flee, whatever the case may be. So, um, I, you know, governments will definitely want to hang on to their control of, of, of things, but I think Bitcoin is like water. Like you, it, you, you, you can't hold it. You can hold it back. You can slow it down for a time, but I don't think you can, you know, you can't hold back the tide as yeah, they the, say. The idea can't be. I, I, I think of, I would say, I, I don't think the bull run or is started yet. We're still not there. And, and that's what that was. That's what that. Do so you I've think we're going to go back like down from here? No, no. I just don't consider what's happening right now bull run this is like it's got to be a start uh, at least we've three we've almost no, four x since march almost four x since march it doesn't matter it hasn't hasn't started but look you so, mentioned you you referenced google right i don't think this bull run is going to be retail led you know i think like the smart money they don't need to google what is bitcoin they know you know some so i think i think the big money is get is what this run is all about retail unfortunately i think may be getting left behind as much as like i'm getting hit up a lot and i'd love to know your input but like it's not the conversation's not happening no but, but here's the thing you're right it's not going to be retail led but retail will still be a canary in the coal mine um because the if we look at our customer base and so on we also saw when retail came in, you also saw a lot more high net worths and corporates come in as well. It's still under their radar. The most, if you ask the average person who's running a business that's successful and so on and ask them about Bitcoin, they're, they're not, they're thinking about protecting their business from going under because of COVID. They're thinking about, and even if they're not thinking about that, it's the day-to-day -day running business. It's, it's, if they're running a profitable business, it takes up all of their mind and then, then they, the spare time, they're thinking about their family and then maybe where, where you know, how, what they're going to do for Christmas and so on. For the vast majority of people, Bitcoin, even though it's gone up, is not in their mind. And, and those people, some of them will be high net worths, some of them will be um, captains of industry. And so the distribution is still the same. Um, so even though in terms of actual dollar amounts, the, the, the guy in, or girl in the street is not going to make a bigger difference. They still tell you, the number of searches tells you how far it's sort of seeped into the general, um, the, set, the general mindset. So I think um, hitting all-time high, that becomes newsworthy. Mainstream media starts to talk about it. And yes, the, the, the taxi, the, the cab driver and so on starts thinking about it. But also the person who's running a company and then starts to go, okay, this has come back in the news. I need to, I'll, I'll spend more than zero seconds a month thinking about it. And now they spend zero seconds a month. And this happened last time. 
It happened in 2017. It happened in 2013. That's why it's the same thing. They were like, and, and what happens is you see all this stuff and all these consumers are asking about it and it's great because they want to get as many consumers into the space as possible. I think really disrupts this, is this meritocratic store of value. But the volumes were net worths putting in and out as well, coming along in the crowd. So in terms of people, they weren't a little, but they, they, they again, last time represented a large percentage of the volume. I, I think once you see it hit all time high, BBC starts to talk about it again. ITV, that you know, I don't know if you know ITV, but BBC will know that, I guess. Um, and in every, the equivalent in every other country will start to talk about it um, because it's, it's newsworthy. One, one 50 Satoshis equals a cent. It's, you know, it's, there's 20,000 is a round number that people can understand. And it also means it's now higher than it's ever been before. That's worthy of mainstream primetime TV. People start looking at it and then they'll see four years of stuff in one go. And, they'll, and someone who's running a company and who's got a few million in, the, in, in its treasury starts to realize that, oh, and this time around, people are running companies are using it as well. And my kids told me about it and so on. But I'm a, still a person at the end of the day, a company's run by a person. They have to hear about it. Yeah. So um, for me, we it's one of these weird scenarios where we want to sort of have that point happen as far back as possible so that we can prepare as much as possible our crypto arc but um anyway that's my so this stuff for me it reminds me exactly like the run-up to um late 2016 um and it's very similar to 2012 it, it's it's similar it's like it, everybody who's already in it feels like it's happening, but it's like, no, you haven't happened. All that's happening right now is it's the practice rap rounds just before the start of the NASCAR, yeah. you know? And so there's a lot of noise and they're moving, but, and, and people are sort of revving engines, but the race hasn't started. <laughs> and and the, the firing line is all time high because then that brings in mainstream media and, and it goes. But anyway, yeah, no, it could I, be... I, I, I don't disagree with, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, it's, um, you know, the other thing is, is my mental model for this was like over the next decade, you know, over the next 10 years, we'll see the bulk of the adoption and then it'll start to slow. And then, you know, over the next 20 years, it's kind of a fait accompli, right? It's Bitcoin is the world reserve, you know, standard, but you know, if what you just said, turns out to be true. And if, you know, I've never been a huge, like the stock to flow model has never really been a factor in my modeling one way or the other. But if it kind of turns out to be true that these four year cycles are, are reliable in terms of, you know, what Bitcoin does, then, you know, to have that be proven reliable a third time, uh, I just like, the, and, and all the information that's available in the space right now, the narrative is, has become so clear and simple compared to previous runs. There's not as much noise in terms of shit coins and all the rest of it. Like, it's pretty clear. Bitcoin <laughs> is the future reserve currency. It's the best store of value that has ever existed. And the way to get it, you know, and if, if, if you're a regular Joe, you just accumulate over time. If you're a wealthy person, you take a, a you know, a position. And like, there's, like a lot of the FUD has been dispelled. So 
it, it's, it's just kind of like an open runway for, man, this, this might actually happen quicker than, you know, we were supposing. Because once it becomes obvious, then like you push all the game theories we've always, always talked about of corporates, of sovereigns, of, of central banks, all that kind of stuff. I think you push it way forward and they just go, holy shit. Like, like you know, we, we, need, so we need to I, get involved now. I, so this is, a, I, I, I sort of think that, because I've, I've experienced it, I'd, so I, I feel that there are these cycles of, of um, correction and return. But um, for me, it feels like each fall related to um, an attempt or um, an, an experience of one of the big fear points of what could kill Bitcoin. And when they happened, um, that caused the fallbacks. So when, Bitcoin, when China first tried to ban Bitcoin, when the first major exchange, Mt. Gox, got, uh, got hacked, these things were up before they happened. It was if a major exchange gets hacked, Bitcoin's dead. And it happened, and that's what caused the fear. And so there was a pullback and then it recovered. And then if, if China bans Bitcoin, it's dead. And that happened. And so if Bitcoin forks, it's dead. So these were these, there was a list of these concerns. They all, which is why after a while I realized we don't want to fear these. We want them all to happen. Right. You know, because you only can remove all the fears if all of the risk points actually happen. And until all of those happen, you, you still have a risk of a pullback. Um, once they've all happened, then I don't think that cycle will happen anymore because there's nothing left to fear, you know, so because all of the fears have been realized and they, then they turn out to not be an issue. And so that's why when I think about it and look about so the remaining fears were those fears around a big bug in the code because there's been small bugs, but a big bug. And then and and um, and the other fear was a revolt by the core developers because we've seen a revolt by the uh, miners. That was Bitcoin Cash and so on and so forth. But this is actually where you've got to thank Bitcoin Cash and because uh, they've shown us what happens, like with the fork from this end, where Amore Sisha, I don't know if he's pronouncing his name, but he's basically responsible for all development for Bitcoin Cash over the last three years. It's basically said, I'm making my Bitcoin fork with, his, with other core developers and their community, whether it's the right decision or not, but their community decided that they didn't want that version and went a different way. So basically, they've shown to us, without us having to um, take the distraction of Bitcoin network, that guess what? Developers don't have the power. We knew this already, but actually it's happened and they, and they didn't have the power. And also, um, Ethereum multiple times has shown us that major bugs on the, on the, on the, on the, on the network don't prevent the don't kill the network if you if people mistakenly or not but believe in that network it can still keep going even if it has major bugs and so so i thank ethereum for proving that we already knew this to be the case you just fix the bug if it's in everybody's interest to fix it but it's actually happened even just um a few days ago with the 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 inferior hard fork issue that happened um again and yet another bug but the price of big ethereum went up five percent Again, I'm not going to discuss the, the but, but it does show you that those risks aren't actually risks because they've happened. So the remaining risk is a state actor trying to do a serious, a Western state actor, EU, US, trying to do a serious attack on it. And I, I, I for one, want to actually just see it happen because yeah. then 
and that, but that's the one I think could be cause the pullback this time. If there's attempt to really serious attempt to put in very onerous regulation, that could lead to the last pullback. But then if that happens, they can get through it. Yeah. Next time round, then there's nothing left. You've got you've you've taken out your biggest gun, and it still hasn't worked. And then so that's that's the only thing I think it left in mind, which is why. Um, so I, my BC Times article this week was called "Too Big to Fail?" question mark and I talked about central bank digital currencies and how what was really interesting is the Bank of England um, deputy governor, I believe, was asked pointedly, "What uh, what does he say?" It was to, by reporters. What does he um, res, what's his response to a number of um, concerns by the financial service industry that? the advent of central bank digital currencies could basically disintermediate banks and, um, and effectively cause many of them to shut down, uh, major sort of retail and commercial banks. And his response to that was, it's not our business model, it's not our, it's not our problem to protect the business models of banks. So basically, you know, the, in, in England you have the royal warrants, so you, like certain, certain businesses get this sort of royal seal attached and it's given a, they're, they're protected almost. Yeah. And uh, effectively, from my point of view, that was him saying that the Bank of England's removed war warrants from from commercial banks. They're 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 no longer too big to tell, um, and they're placing them with central bank digital currencies, and they have to fight in the in the in in open market. And if they don't succeed, too bad. However, uh, too big to fail. What's interesting is Bitcoin is heading towards, uh, if not already, too big to fail as well. But unlike banks, where too big to fail is a bad thing, so my conclusion was we're going from too big to fail being something we fear to being something we fight for. <laughs> we're basically working, we worked through the last seven years, and I think you're basically either there or 99% there, and we just keep focused. But I think like one of the main risk points for me is education. If, if people come in and we don't give them the correct philosophy, and the philosophy gets... Because it, the strength of Bitcoin is the community in it. And if they don't, and if they, if we fail to make them understand the philosophy behind Bitcoin, that's where I think that there's a chance to be weak. But um, what I'm seeing is um, in a decentralized way, uh, more and more people are understanding that the power of Bitcoin more than anything else is the community and the philosophy of the community. So people coming in um, are less and less, you're seeing people coming in for the trading. They, and that's another good thing about other altcoins. The people who are coming for the trading go straight onto DeFi land. And it's sort of like, it's like a filter. It's like a filtration system. And then the people who are interested in the more of the philosophical aspects stay in Bitcoin. So actually they help act like this sort of mechanism to keep the philosophical purity of Bitcoin stronger. So again, I thank, thank DeFi land and so on for helping maintain, especially in its early formative years, where it's still yet, still a still not yet a teenager, where you want to make sure that the philosophical underpinnings are really, really strong. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's an interesting way to look at all, you know, the shit coins and the DeFi stuff as a, as a kind of uh, filtering mechanism. But, you know, I talk about this shit all the time on my podcast because I think, what's that? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. But it, you're, I totally agree, you know, like understanding the implications of 
what this form of money means for the world and putting it in context of the history of money and all that stuff is, you know, really interesting and compelling for a, a subset of people. And you start to realize the economic value and the, all the different things that this will enable. But, you know, you, you come in with a lot of, you know, preconceived notions, a lot of missing bits of information, a lot of former biases and this kind of stuff. Mm. And what I've noticed through talking to people, because I'll talk to, you know, people like you who are entrepreneurs in the space, and I'll talk to normies that came in this year and that have 50 followers on Twitter, and they're just, there's Bitcoiners now. And mm. it's amazing to hear them tell of how their perspective has changed since they've mm. been going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And as a result, of do, yeah, as a result of doing that, as you said, they become like kind of ideologically, philosophically aligned with this community that's that's bubbling up. And yep. it's amazing to see. And I think like that's actually becoming because it's starting to become a lot more apparent now. Uh, I think that's becoming one of the major draws to Bitcoin at all. Like one is greed for sure, right? Number yeah. go up. Pe people want greed. One is a defensive move. Need to protect assets, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think maybe number three is look at this community of people over here. They're, they're positive. They're optimistic. They're, they're energized. They're articulate. They're, they're informed. They're intelligent. And they're all kind of like, swarming around this thing and trying to build it and support each other and interact with each other and refine ideas and not, you know, uh, uh, you know, not being overly polite or politically correct. Like they care about the truth of the idea, not you know, the sensibilities of the individual. And they're like, and that thing, that community is, exactly. is super compelling to people and they're coming for that in some cases. So I, I, I think I, I had to treat, I, I treat that I came for the technology I, I invested because of the uh, economy and I stayed because of the philosophy. Yeah. And, um, and actually, I think over time, the philo philosophical aspect becomes more and more important and the number go up aspect becomes less and less important. Also, it will go up less and less over time. It, it can't keep going up infinitely. So it has to sort of stabilize to, the, to roughly be a, some significant percentage of the total value in the world basically yeah that's that's it's sort of logical whatever the total um value that the world currently has most of it would be in if, if you have the ideal money you'd keep most of it in the ideal money other than sort of working capital everything else would be in the ideal store of value yeah um, um and as that it will continue to grow because human beings we constantly want to advance and improve so so we will grow the value in the in that we have in the world or the universe, but it won't grow. But at some point, once you hit the sort of max that we currently are at, then it will just grow naturally with our ability to advance science, technology, and population. Although yeah, it'll there is a potential for it to reduce if population reduces. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. I think it'll you know once it's money, it'll generally reflect the growth in productivity. So two, three percent per year, yeah. whatever it may be. You know, so it'll be deflationary to that degree. It won't have these math because right now the massive gains are because it's distributing and and it's monetizing, right? So that'll that'll definitely level off over time. But you know, one one thing I find super interesting, and it, I was speaking with Hodl and not yesterday, and it kind of just you know dawned on me or crystallized to articulate it this way because of course you know we'd all been probably knew this. But I think one of the reasons why we're all so eager to talk about this and to go down the rabbit hole even further and even further and even further and see 
try to understand all the implications of this thing. And the reason why we're so willing to put our ideas out there in the public and let them be torn apart or battle it out and stuff like that is because I think we realize that there's something genuinely uh, unprecedented or unique, philosophically speaking, to be derived from understanding this thing. Like we know this thing is unique, right? Let's, let's just for simple, simplistic terms say that this is a first instantiation of all uh, absolute scarcity that we've ever been able to interact with or trade, mm. you know, for example. Okay, fine, that's unique and it was, people are starting to get that. But what that means for changing or helping to evolve our, our current understanding of a variety of philosophical questions, I think it actually has an impact on those things. So. I think that's part of the reason why we're also compelled to contribute and think about and have these conversations because we deep down in a subconscious level, perhaps, know that there's something unique to be derived here that has never been articulated or extracted from thought before. And we really, you know, it's exciting to have the opportunity to have something actually novel in front of you. Like I studied some philosophy in university, right? And you study Plato and Aristotle and Nietzsche and all that kind of stuff. And it's great. It's interesting. Like these are great thinkers, but I actually think that, you know, this is providing the opportunity for novel philosophical and other forms of, of thought and inquiry. And, you know, that's, I think that's what part of the reason why Bitcoiners are set so much on fire on this. And part of the reason why the rabbit hole is so compelling is because we know down there, there's something that's never been thought of before. There's something that's never been realized before. So you, let's keep digging and let's keep talking about it. Let's keep throwing it at each other because there's something extremely unique and valuable down there. And we just got to keep engaging it, keep understanding it, keep learning about it, keep refining it, keep hashing it back and forth between each other. And we're probably going to find it, you know? So yeah, no, I, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. I, I, think, I think at the heart, um, <coughs> sorry, now it's my, my turn. I, you've, you've given it to me through, the, through Zoom. You've infected <laughs> me with your, with your egg and, egg, egg and, and um, steak. Uh, um, I, I still deep down think that what we've discovered or what we are discovering is a blueprint for um, a true meritocracy. And, and everybody's, the word has been used many times. And, but, um, and I, I think, by the way, it won't, I think part of a true meritocracy is a mechanism of measuring and holding and distributing value from one place to another because it's merit. So meritocracy requires some mechanism to measure merit, and that's value. And and so big, so without that being a meritocracy, the the measurement mechanism has to be. This is a real tongue twister, but the measurement me mechanism has to be meritocratic as well. Right, and it has to be um, precise and represent things properly. Right? Precise, yeah. representing properly, and it has to be by fundamentally meritocratic as well, because in this in this universe, all things, including the um, the store of value, the measurement of, uh, of value uh, as well, um, to be meritocratic as well. So Bitcoin has achieved that. But I think also what needs to happen on the other side is that um, the society, Bitcoin land as I call it, and Bitcoin land is, the, is this sort of um, joining of different citizens based on philosophy and their ownership or interaction with Bitcoin. But it doesn't matter where they are in, in space relative to each other or demographic backgrounds. But um, 
but this this community that's being formed it tends to attract people who are much more philosophical they tend to come so they tend to be um, able to think logically and balance their ep their emotional iq their emotional quotient with their intelligence quotient and so on so that's forming this very interesting um, location this very interesting country virtual country but I think that virtual country will have to learn how to interact with each other as a whole. That's where the area of learning is. How do you, you've got the measure of mechanism of, of measurements, but what else do we need to understand? What else do we need to learn? What, how do you interact with people like that in, in different environments, different backgrounds, but are all shared, share this common objective of meritocracy. And, and I think, um, you're forming a new constitution, as it were, and a whole new form of governance. If it is even governance, I don't even, is governance even the correct word to describe what this is anymore? I think method of coordination is probably the, the more accurate yeah. descriptor, right? And governance carries a lot of baggage. That's what governance yeah. is. It's, it's figuring out the best method for coordination. And I use the best loosely because it obviously doesn't serve everybody and not everybody always agrees. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think all this, like, you know, this thing is pulling in all sorts of different people from all sorts of different places, age, sex, color, creed, you know, income level, all that kind of stuff is bringing in all these people. And it's like, you know, it's like that constant in the center that has certain attributes that are resonating with all of those people. And then as we get together, feeling, you know, uh, resonated in that way and being inspired mm. and energized in that way, then we're coming together and we're kind of doing the same with each other. So we've done it with the constant, i.e. Bitcoin, and now we're doing it with each other simultaneously. And we're, and we're, we're feeling it out. We're saying like, what, you know, what is emerging from our interaction now? What philosophies, what ideologies, what ideas, what methods of coordination and organization, what, you know, belief systems, what approaches to all these different things of import in our lives? And that's what's so exciting. You know, it's a genuine culture is forming. And I use the, the term culture broadly to, to encapsulate all those things that I just mentioned. But, and, and we don't know yet. I mean, that's the exciting part about this. It's not like, I don't, you know, we're not trying to graft onto this new quote unquote community or culture, something that's come before. We're all coming around, coalescing against this constant and saying, now that we have this constant and our, our perception and our opinions and our outlook has been changed as a result, what form of coordination and interaction is optimal? What makes sense? Mm. What makes us feel and, and, and interact on the best terms possible? To use your terminology, what makes it the most meritocratic? What makes it the most fair? Um, and I, I just love to see how this is evolving and unfolding. And how people's impressions or ideas around ethics and principles and honesty and genuineness and, and greed and the profit motive and uh, compassion and charity is all being impacted or redefined by engaging in this constant and in the community around this constant. And, you know, I, I get so excited by that because like I keep saying, like, I love Bitcoin. I love the financial freedom. I love the optionality and everything, but it's still just a tool to facilitate the, hmm. the, what we do with it, that what emerges from all of us using it 
in, you know, based on what its attributes allow, allow for. And so what I'm really jazzed about is the fact that there seems to be a real novel, uh, novel behavior, novel perspectives, and novel forms of communication and coordination that are emerging from this thing. And like, it's a new world. It's like, literally, not metaphorically, literally a new hope world. Not brave new worlds. I hope you're not brave no, new fuck world. No, fuck no. Fuck, but not a brave new world. It's a, it's a new, new world. It's not utopia. It's not perfect, you know, but, and, and, but that's, that's beautiful too. Like, of course, we're, we're not striving for perfect. We're striving to, for better. We're striving to maximize and optimize how good, you know, things can be based on the tools we have our, at our disposal and our inborn nature. And also we're, we're, we're figuring out what yeah. is our, our inborn nature. Maybe the assumptions that we had about our nature are not true. Maybe it was far more envi environmental. You know, we always just assume our human nature is X, Y, Z, and we can't overcome these negative aspects of our nature. And so we're kind of resigned to operate in the same cycles of history and time and civilization. But maybe we didn't factor in an element of our environment. And one of those is certainly the mechanism that coordinates our interaction, which is what serves, what, what, it, what money is. So if we change the fundamental nature of money, maybe we realize that our nature is not what we thought it was. Maybe we realize it's just a conditioning like a mechanism. That I'm thinking this can go, but one thing that just came up the corner of my mind is that maybe uh, at some point, you know, if you believe in life on other planets, I, I think it's, it, it does exist, but some people don't, but I think it does. That um, when we finally make that contact and have a conversation, we would realize that they all went through this point and they all evolved society, societally um, by discovering this sort of um, need for um, a more sophisticated way of, of interacting with each other. And that's what led them to be able to go off and, and make first contact and advance their society to a level. It might be like discovering fire and so on and so forth. These are natural steps you go through. And, and one of the steps of evolution as society is discovering ability to interact with people by, because what, what's interesting for me about Bitcoin, and I wanted to discuss with you because I think it relates, is that Bitcoin um, and the Bitcoin network combines this um, respect for and ability to maintain privacy with radical transparency. And they merge the two into one platform. Everybody understands that there are, there are benefits to transparency, but there are also benefits and it's important to protect privacy. And the question has always been, how do you, they seem to be contradictory. How do you maintain both at the same time? And, and Bitcoin has done that. You have radical transparency and you also have radical privacy at the same time. Um, and, and I was thinking that as a concept of being able to combine these very powerful concepts into one, can that be applied to other aspects of our life? So for example, the internet, can it be both radically transparent and also maintain radical privacy. Can and and is that the the high level learning? Is that what leads to meritocracy, where you have both transparency and privacy at the same time? Um, is pseudonymity actually the the optimal thing? You know, where you both because then you you have the optionality to go. I, if I want to be transparent, I can be. 
and I'd prove something, but if I want to maintain privacy, I can also do that as well with the same piece of information. And I can choose who I select to go become more transparent with or become less transparent with uh, or more private with. I find that just really interesting. I, there's not many other technologies where you, you have this, this open book in terms of what's happened, but also you don't know anything as well. You know everything and, and, and nothing at the same time. And even just saying it sounds really philosophically, uh, you know, mind-blowing. <laughs> well, it sounds, it sounds contradictory, right? But um, yeah. it's an interesting question that you raise. And I'm, I don't know, like, about, I don't know the answer of when you take that concept or circumstance and apply it to different domains other than, let's say, a monetary system. But I think, you know, it's, it's incredibly unique and important that, because I mentioned the constant before, like, you have to be able to verify the constant to have faith in that, in the fact that it's a constant, right? So yes. that is yeah. the system-wide ability. Yeah, that's yeah. the transparency of the system to be able to verify yeah. uh, the entire system, right? Uh, and audit the entire system to know what it is, but to allow every operator, every participant in that system to have individual privacy. I mean, it really, it's, it's a really beautiful thing, right? Because you get the best of both. You get, you get the freedom of privacy on the individual level, you get the, the uh, usefulness of constancy and verifiability and auditability on system level. So you can always have- But it's still individual level, individually verifiable yeah, by the sure, system. Sure, and, and, yeah. but I mean, you need, what those individuals are doing are verifying the constancy of the system. And, yeah. and I guess yeah. they all need to be able to do that for that to be the case. But, um, yeah. but as for applying that to other areas, that, that one's, well, you, you know my you know my pet my pet um um one on that is all about uh i uh, i still feel that um the the two major constructs that we've created over the last 30 or so years one has been bitcoin and the other one has been the internet right and and i feel because so bitcoin is 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 a revolution in value and, and the internet is in information. Yeah. And I think those are two, 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 different, um, two different powerful concepts, uh, data and, and, and value. And um, um, I think personally, I still feel like to get meritocracy, meritocracy there, you, you want to have something which is, again, decentralized and the system is transparent so, for example, when I see things like Facebook's um, Horizon virtual world, and this is closed virtual world that's only controlled by Facebook, um, or WhatsApp, or whatever, where it's a closed system only controlled by one company, I really feel like what we want to have is an alternative to these mechanisms which we communicate and socialize on, which are transparent and open. But at the same time, even so it's transparent and open so you know everybody can verify that no one is eavesdropping on your communication you can personally verify that you can verify that no one person can shut down this mechanism for communication so that so that free speech can never be stopped you can't have this you know the, the memes the, the jokes on twitter of like verification um whether you believe in the view or not that the idea that um it can be it can be stopped or, 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 um, or adjusted and you can't know that it's happening 
seems to me to feel like if you could have a system where I can verify simply at a very low cost myself that the messages I'm receiving are not being being adjusted by some third party. They may, I may not disagree with them or agree with them, but I know they're not being adjusted or being filtered. But at the same time, I want to be able to have, com it's a very strong desire, and that's why you have things like Signal and Telegrams, private com encrypted conversations as well. There's a strong desire to be able to communicate with someone and know as well that you can maintain privacy. So, and at the moment, there is no one system that does those two things. There are, there are you see a few, open source decentralized IM platforms um, and but they haven't yet got critical mass um, the internet itself is actually quite a centralized infrastructurally it's quite centralized there are there's things big IP and there's a few nodes which handle the domain name verification for pretty much all of the internet so the idea of like a mesh networked version of the internet where there isn't a central hub where most people go through to connect from one person to the other, would also be architecturally more ideal than the current structure we have. So the internet is far less decentralized than Bitcoin, just conceptually, just structurally. So uh, that's the area for me I would like to see, a decentralized equivalent of the internet. And, and so I'm able to communicate with one person or another through multiple paths. There's no central point where someone there eavesdropping the communication um, and I can maintain privacy and also have some way of verifying the the sanctity of the communication between myself and that other person mm -hmm. that so that that's 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 the area that I feel like uh, um, we can take it's but it starts with philosophy if you start with I would like a Bitcoin like equivalent for the internet in it then I then I think that there's still something to have there because if you have that in combination with bitcoin that's it. it's it's new world yeah a bit new world. yeah it makes, to... <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think you know and, and i agree and i think whether it's the existing it, like i think communication will be increasingly encrypted so that you know prying eyes can't get access you know there's some cool projects like sphinx and juggernaut and stuff like that happening in bitcoin and of course there's the telegrams and the signals of the world and stuff Yes. And, and your orbit and different, you know, so I think there's, that is coming like an approach to that. But as you were saying all that, I wonder if, because one of the interesting properties of money is that it's information that's almost, um, that doesn't change based on the identity of the, the receiver of that information. Whereas, you know, to use the internet analogy, where you're sending you know, non-price, non-monetary, let's say, information, then to my mind, all those forms of information depend on knowing the receiver because what you're sending is information that's relative to the receiver. Otherwise, you wouldn't be knowing what information to be sending, right? So, yeah. so like, I definitely think messaging and communications will become more private and encryption will probably probably play a big role there and decentralization of the internet itself i think certainly will be a valuable thing but to to go back to what you started as a, of like individual privacy and um, system-wide transparency 
I wonder if you'll, you'll be able to have it in the same capacity as Bitcoin, simply because the nature of what you're sending information, um, well, let's say, let's say non-price, -mo non non-monetary information of all other kinds versus price or money information. The former, I think, necessitates an, uh, identifying the receiver because that will determine what the information is, whereas the latter, I don't think it necessitates uh, knowing who the anything about the receiver because it won't change the nature of the information being sent. So, and what about in the in the context of because uh, I think in the context of money, uh, it's interesting because money effectively, especially with the the solution that Bitcoin's um, brought to this problem, it, the information is broadcast because even if you're not the receiver you still are interested in that information to make sure that your money hasn't been devalued. And so it needs, so by its nature, it's broadcast and everybody should be able to see that information. But your, your own details as the sender are kept secure because of through um, encrypted, um, through hashing, um, because you want to obtain privacy. Um, but for example, I'm just, noting the 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 current furor around um uh, always well not current maybe the last couple of weeks with the elections in the us around um accusations of censorship um in that scenario you didn't there wasn't a particular person that the information was going to us people people were trying to send information to the world to the world of twitter um, and they wanted everybody, every, they wanted, their, their desire is for as many people as possible to see it. Um, obviously not everybody would want to see it. So, cause they choose not to follow you, um, or block or so on, but as the sender, um, you, people's desire is to have it be shared with a broader group of people as possible. And though if a third party is reducing who you can share it to, um, based on their own decision, then they are affecting your they, they are affecting your desire to share information, and therefore they they are only doing that because they believe it will affect the end result as to people's perceptions or so on in some way or another. They believe it's going to they've made a judgment that it's going to cause harm or cause an effect that they that they think is negative. Whether they're right or wrong is beside the point, but that's the only reason they would take an action to cause an effect mm -hmm. so um but the sender clearly does not want that effect to happen so in bitcoin it answers clear if you are the owner of the value then you have the right to send it to whoever you want that's that's the default assumption that's the part of the power so the the information equivalent um is if you are I suppose the question is, do our people, well, the question is, is it okay? Because Bitcoin miners can individually censor um, transactions, but they can't control what other people can censor. So um, maybe that's similar in the sense that Twitter, for example, can censor information, but they can't control what Facebook censors. So as long as other people are able to as long as you have other mechanisms to share the information maybe we already have it in the sense that we have we have 
there isn't currently anything stopping multiple people from providing services to disseminate information. I think the difference is, though, with Bitcoin, if one miner shares it, it gets shared with the entire network of all members of Bitcoin land, effectively. Whereas with Twitter, um, the efforts for the the effort for the receiver of the information to receive something which um, Twitter is a number of organizations are choosing to censor increases with the number of people who are choosing to sense the information, even though they don't want it to increase because then they'll have to join, well, to see the information, I have to join Twitter and Facebook. They're both censoring. Okay, I also join Reddit, so, but that's censoring. So I also join. So now I have to maintain accounts with five or six sites. Whereas with um, Bitcoin, if five out of 10, five out of six miners are censoring transactions, it means I have to wait a little bit longer to receive the transaction, but I would still receive it one once an hour on average instead of once if they all get equal power. Um, so my my cost in on, on in effort to receive the information that's being sent to me remains the same, and it's the same for the sender to send the information. The cost is the same. The only impact that that people can have is they can reduce the they can reduce the amount of, they can increase the amount of time i have to wait before i receive that value and by doing that they lose the block the the um, transaction rewards that the other person gains that person over time will get more powerful and more wealthy so they're able to gain more and more market share and so that that uh, that that will naturally reduce reduce that but the cost was also going up by those, the censoring for the sender and the receiver to get the information across, that might counteract that. That's, that's, um, so I do think there's, it's, if there was a way where I can send information that I wish to be broadcast and know that the most that someone can do is delay how long it gets shared, but not delay it being shared, that seems to me conceptually, philosophically, something to learn to apply to to to, to um, the the nature of information, and that would qualitatively, we can see the problems we're having right now make the experience of sharing information more powerful. Yeah, well, that's exactly. I think that's the punchline. I think, and interestingly, I think this is happening in nearly every domain. But I think people are looking at the efficacy of the architecture of Bitcoin for. Mm you know, freedom effectively. So censorship resistance, immutability, all the other characteristics, but they're looking at that architecture and seeing the freedom that it's providing, even if it's in its narrow domain. Now money is a very important domain, but let's just call it narrow for right now. And they're seeing the freedom that that architecture bestows. And the natural question to follow is, would this architecture be applicable or effective in other systems in order to establish a similar degree of freedom. And I think that's probably where engineers and people that think about this stuff will go. They'll say that architecture is working for that system and it's optimizing freedom. And that's to, to the extent that people think that's a good thing. They'll say, Hey, you know, what lessons can, you know, what comparisons or what aspects of the architecture of this system can we bring over to an existing system to establish more freedom? And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's an awesome thing about this thing. And, you know, what's interesting, it works on the and like the technical architecture component. So let's say taking it, you know, in this example, from the Bitcoin network to 
network architecture for the internet. But, but it's also like, you, I think Bitcoin is, is so, back to the philosophical discussion, is so philosophical in a way because you, you also look at the method that it establishes its own freedom. And you mm -hmm. say, in what ways could that architecture or approach be applied to fill in the blank, personal yeah. life, you know, yeah. um, health, whatever, whatever. And you just like, and I'm not saying it opens up, you know, the road to perfect answers everywhere it's applied, but I think it at least kind of inspires people to see what's working in one domain and push it over to another and say, what, what might be able to be carried over? What lessons could be applied? What insights might it provide for the, the greater, for, for greater freedom or functioning to be brought over to another system or domain. You know, that's what's really interesting here in that it's broken new ground in one very important domain. I think it'll, it'll inspire uh, comparison to, to, to others. And that will mean that they are improved to the extent that architecture and Bitcoin or elements of Bitcoin can be applied to other domains. Yeah, and but the, but the key here is that but you don't want to go too far. You don't want to make the mistake of thinking, okay, we well, need to make a new coin for this. No, and so no, on. no. Of course more, not. I, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about this the high level philosophy. So trying to combine the, the need for transparency instead of instead of um, surveillance, which is where the the powerful um, uh, look and 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 uh, monitor the, the the not so powerful, uh, you want surveillance. Which is where the which is the opposite, which is where the um, where the masses have the power to monitor and hold to account the powerful who are in charge. You know that's basically Bitcoin has is is a system which of, of surveillance where all node operators I can run on on a on a mobile phone pretty much a, a powerful mobile phone and I can monitor Bitcoin miners um, and and the, and the and the developers and uh, and the and the network itself. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's rules, like but not that. rulers, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the beautiful things thing like about this. it. Yeah, and I think on your personal life, um, as a business, we've taken from the philosophy the idea of transparency and to some extent by having um, proof of reserves. Um, and that it's nowhere near the same level as the blockchain, but it's still philosophically trying to move towards being more transparent because we have a lot of control over people's capital. So we should try. And in fact, um, we'll be very soon and doing our, I think it's our 80th proof of reserve audits. So seven years plus of proof of reserve yeah. audits. Or, or, or um, also just as a business, and many other businesses are doing this right now, decentralizing more. So not needing you to everybody to necessarily be in an office at the same time. Um, and, and then also in personal life, you know, my location, location freedom, decentralization, I'm seeing a lot more Bitcoiners being anywhere in the world, hiring people from anywhere in the world, because you start realizing that location, physical location is not important. It's more where you mentally are located, you know? Um, and um, that's far more important. Philosophical alignment is more important than physical, physical um, location. So um, these things in some way, I feel are inspired by the, some of the, the basic constituents of Bitcoin, even though they're very different and they're, they're but they, they, they are inspired in a way. Well, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons for that may be is that any ideal 
is always a judge because it's the thing against which you judge yourself or anything else. So if you have an mm. ideal, anything that is subordinate to that ideal in let's say, you know, perfection or whatever, um, every, as I said, you will compare things to it. And as you try to emulate it in different ways, never maybe meeting the ideal itself, but just in that process of trying to emulate it, the effect of that ideal as a judge, as instilling some of its aspects in the people attempting to emulate it will cause them to reflect elements of it, right? So that, you know, and this, this idea probably comes from the religious domain where that, you know, the, the, it does. It does. I'm just realizing we start, we are, if, if people are listening to this conversation without the context, I'm just thinking about it. It well, sounds you know, very well, just to say, ideal, we're creating our own um, archetype. We're cre we've effectively created and we're discovering and understanding our own. Anyway, go I, on, carry on. It, well, I was, I, I was just going to say, I think it comes from, you know, the religious hierarchy. What sits up, up, up top of that is usually the figure that is the judge, right? And it's the ideal against all, uh, all activity is, is, is assessed and judged. And of course, then it piles on a bunch of other religious stuff that we needn't go into. But just to say that I think you're, you're kind of right is, is this thing has emerged and we're recognizing the validity um, of, of many of its attributes. And even though it's a technological digital system, it's got nothing to do with, let's say, organic life or human behavior. We're recognizing the validity of some of its attributes. And we're even, it seems, starting to use it as an ideal against which we try to espouse certain things and judge them accordingly. So you said, you know, we're doing proof of reserves. We think that's in line with the ethos of, of what this is all about, transparency, et cetera. To it, and I agree, but is that not attempting to emulate the ideal? This, this, yeah, ide yeah. this ideal yeah. that is perfectly transparent. Yeah. Oh, this idea that's perfectly yeah. transparent and, every, and actors in this system are willingly deciding to try to emulate it, even though they know they can never emulate it uh, as well, like you said, you know, we, we can never be as transparent as an openly verifiable system, but we're trying to do that because we recognize the value and validity of that ideal and we will judge ourselves against it and we will be inspired by it. That's what I mean when I say we take the attributes and, of yeah. this thing and we apply it to different, different areas, different pursuits. No, different, it is, it is, systems. it is. But it just, but it's just that I'm still sort of thinking, I'm just, because I'm, I'm remembering my you know as a kid going to church and listening to the sermons and so on and it just it does feel very it's like you know even though he did this for our sins and we and we whatever we do we're never going to be at the same level as him we should as much possible to, and i'm just thinking this is what i'm trying to do if people work with us even the way i talk about it uh, I'm always like, you know, it's nowhere near as good as what Bitcoin does. And it can never be as good as what Bitcoin does, but I must try to get closer <laughs> to what Bitcoin does. And, you know, and I'm like, but isn't that exactly equivalent to when people are, you know, we can never be as forgiving, never could be as compassionate, never, but we should just try, you know, because mm. we're human and Jesus is beyond human. And like, we're human and like, you know, are, are we saying Bitcoin is, is not human, it's able to be faultless and so on and, and, and perfect, etc. I don't we, know. If, it's if, like... we didn't, if we didn't see the value and validity of those attributes that comprise the ideal, then we wouldn't strive to emulate them. So it becomes the ideal because it has these attributes and, and values that we, for some reason, think are 
are are valuable and are and are uh, you know um yeah are are extremely valid uh, valid and valuable and so we we observe them and then we say and because it espouses them in the most pristine way possible it becomes the ideal and then it it seems to inspire our uh our behavior to try to align with it in in various ways so you know the well, religious well, connotations well, keep coming back to these discussions amen <laughs> i'm i'm going to I'm gonna have to go to. Otherwise, you could carry on. But uh, it's good that we added an extra half hour. But uh, yeah, yeah, gonna have I to know we, we all we but, always but, go over. Would um, it was good. May it, it's always yeah. great to catch up. But I mean, would you be opposed to publishing a, a conversation like this? No, I think I think I'll be okay. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. I don't think we you shared. Any, amen. I don't think you shared anything <laughs> private or da damaging or anything. We're, we're like that. We finished on the amen, then, then yeah, I'll amen to that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, let's do it. Happy to. Um, it's good to see that you're doing really well, you're smiling, except for the egg and steak cough. Then <laughs> that was just a bit yeah. of a bit of egg yolk stuck in my throat. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> Not not shell, not shell. No, you, no, I'm you, off you the shells right now. I'm, I'm off the shells. Right <laughs> off now. the shells. Okay, yeah, that, that was look, getting a little. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, I all, every time we we get back together, I feel like it's been too long since since chat. So let's uh, let's have another one. Uh, well, maybe we'll meet up in Christmas maybe we'll meet up in person um, one of these days. Maybe, maybe we'll try well, 2021. Yeah, hopefully we'll see what the world does and everything. But yeah. uh, we'll talk I, again soon. Either way. way. Yeah, have a way. Okay then, matey. All right, yeah, bro. Please. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah.